This is the Yesu Communitas Podcast, a show devoted to Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Thanks for joining this episode. Be sure to like today's show and subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. And now your hosts, Daniel, Myla, and George. All right, welcome to the first episode of Yesu Communitas. Man, this is cool. Yeah. So, uh, who's at the table here? Let's go around. Oh, <laughs> there goes our first blooper. Okay. <laughs> my email goes off. Okay. I shouldn't even have that connected. All right. Yeah. Let's go around the table real quick and uh, introduce ourselves. Um, let's start with the lady in the room. All right. Share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're doing right now. Okay. Um, well, my name is Myla Koo. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Not so much Detroit, but kind of from the suburbs. Um, you, you lived there for a while. Until mm-hmm. I was like two. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so there's a hood in me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can tell by, by my, my, the way I talk. You can take me out of the hood, but yep. you can't take the hood out of me. That's right. <laughs> um, a little bit about me. I'm 25. Um, I just started my first semester at Wheaton College um, doing my master's in Christian formation and concentrating in theology. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. Um, my name is George Zhang. Um, originally from... Wait, say that the right way, man. My name is George Hyung. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George Zong. What was that? Saint <laughs> uh, Hyung. Um, yeah, I'm from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Twin Cities. Um, grew up there, born and raised. Um, yeah, uh, I'm here at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Uh, studying mental health counseling and theological studies. Um, served in a number of churches over the past eight years, and uh, I'm just really excited to, to be here and be able to uh, share some thoughts on, on some of these topics. So, Cool. Did you say that you were married? I did not. Oh, okay. you should say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because... married to my wonderful wife, Cheyenne. Um, and we've been married for about three years. Um, but yeah, uh, really enjoying the experience that we've been able to have here at seminary as well as, uh, just growing together. And, uh, honestly, marriage is probably one of the most sanctifying relationships mm-hmm. that you can have. So if you're still single out there and you're Woo-hoo. listening, you, uh, your identity is not in, in a relationship, but other than the relationship with the Lord, but marriage is pretty good. But it makes a big difference. Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, and I'm Daniel, Dan, uh, Daniel, uh, and uh, married to Linda. See, you see how I did that? You introduced the wife mm. above everything else, George. Mm. I'm still learning. <laughs> Learn my friend. This is a marriage counseling podcast. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, four boys, uh, so ages 16, uh, 15, uh, 12, and three. Uh, we, man, we, boy, geez, okay. Uh, short story is we did a lot of things uh, our first 10 years of marriage uh, to build a career and then went to ministry, uh, was on staff at a couple of churches, um, planted a church in Toronto, and then most recently came to the Chicago area. Uh, I direct what's called Sen Institute, uh, which is a church planning think tank at Wheaton College and then also am a PhD student at TEDS. Uh, but I think the funnest thing that I get to do is hang out with my kids and... Um, do stupid things with four boys. So mm-hmm. that's what we like to do. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to get pretty, you know, deep into some of these conversations and talking about like long American identity and theology and mm-hmm. mission and all that stuff. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about some like serious, serious things. Like if you were a Hmong pastor, George, <laughs> if you could be a Hmong pastor, which Hmong pastor would you be? That's that's a good question. Man, um, there's so many to choose from, but I think from personal experience and just from what I know about um, this individual, um, he's definitely the guy that that I've I've modeled a lot of my ministry behind um, and around. Um, his name is Sufi uh, Tachu Wang. And uh, he was actually my children's ministry pastor growing up, um, the one who, who led me to the Lord and um, led me to faith and um, kind of mentored me throughout the years. Uh, but just the work that he's doing um, and, and the courage that it took for him to get to where he's at now, uh, what he's doing now is he's 
um, serving out in the mission field and preparing pastors um, for for the ministry uh, where he's at. And so it's really just encouraging to see that he's been able to to step out in faith, um, even step out of the CMA, and mm-hmm. really be able to. Oh, really? He's not with the Alliance anymore. No, no, he's working uh, with Reach Global. So, uh, oh, he's part of wow. uh, that EFCA organization. But um, cool. yeah, to just see him be able to to do that work, I was able to go visit him where he's at and um, just see some of the sites that he's working mm-hmm. at, and uh, it's really great to see. Uh, his his passion for discipleship, his passion for being able to uh, raise up new leaders in the church, and his commitment to that. And so uh, he's definitely one of the all-stars in my book. Are you friends with his uh, kids? Yeah. Like Josh yeah. and those yeah. guys? Yeah, Josh and Paul. Okay. I grew up with Paul, Yeah, um, one of my best friends. And um, yeah, just really, really awesome family. And you can really tell that um, that he was very intentional with uh, raising his kids up to, to fear the Lord. And, um, you know, each of his sons are, uh, both Josh and Paul are, um, doing ministry now as well. And, um, yeah, even just getting to know David, uh, his oldest son, uh, mm-hmm. has been really great, um, being able to, uh, hang out with their family and, and just see how, how they live, um, based on how their family yeah. uh, has been raised by their parents. And so, yeah. No, yeah. he's a great guy. When I was getting uh, licensed through the CMA, he was the guy walking me through that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, Myla, what about you? So, if you could be a long pastor, pastor, I mean, who would you be? My straight up answer would be Thine Draw. For <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> I spent like, was it two weeks with her in Chiang Mai? And we oh, went yeah, up to the villages. Right. And you and Grace went up there. Yeah, she yeah. defies every. every rule i know of what it means to be a Hmong woman and mm, a pastor right yeah um, she's just like fierce she's old but she can like you know hike up mm-hmm. those mountains without mm-hmm. anything and um there's this picture i once took of her where she's sitting in a pastor's living room she's the only woman in the room you have all these men pastor like facing her and listening to her mm-hmm. and i was like i love this photo because never would you ever see this happen in yeah. the Hmong culture, you know, where yeah. all the men are just listening to her. So I love her. She's fierce. She's like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I admire that about her. So, And she's a woman. And she's a woman. Which I want to be Thaidua too. <laughs> <laughs> I should have thought of that one. Mm. That been... Okay, me, I would be, uh, you guys uh, remember, uh, he, he passed away, Siwi Song. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he had like he had the coolest voice. So if you watch the Jesus v- film, the Hmong version, yes. he's Jesus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, the- so awesome. <laughs> he's like the James Earl Jones of like Hmong voices. Yes. So uh, he has this like d- has this very deep and com- I should speak Hmong. Because, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even do it right. <laughs> he has this really like deep and calming voice. And uh, but what was cool about him is he was the uh, uh, radio broadcaster for FB, FEBC, Far East Broadcasting Company. Mm. And uh, so he would preach the gospel over uh, radio airwaves out of Fresno. And they would pump that to uh, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't you know if you guys are as uh, um, knowledgeable of uh, what happened in Vietnam in the 90s, but that's where the church like exploded in Vietnam for the Hmong people. Mm-hmm. And it was primarily because of the radio airwaves. So this dude who, you know, was uh, preaching the gospel and other things, uh, family, marriage, how to get along, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. uh, he was preaching them over the radio airwaves and uh, people in Vietnam would listen to on the radio and they'd come to Christ and, you know, just a huge, huge movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't have pastors. And this is right around the time where communism was still trying to, you know, it was still, Vietnam was kind of coming out of communism and a lot of its strict application. And uh, so it was still wasn't very easy to be a Christian. Um, and these people were learning how to baptize themselves uh, hmm. through the radio, through Sibu uh, Litsong's hmm. uh, ministry. Awesome. And uh, when my, uh, Lynn and I, my wife, we went to Vietnam uh, for the first time back in 2011. Like we got to meet the Hmong people who became Christians because of his radio ministry. Wow. So, um, man, yeah. But that's, cool. that's number two. The number one reason why is because he's got a cool voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, hey, why don't we let's let's share a little bit about ourselves, our calling, our ministry background, what you've been involved with, mm-hmm. um, what you feel like God's calling you to. Um, let's share some of that. So, George, you want to start? Yeah. Um, where to start? So I was I was born and raised in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents were believers. Uh, probably came to Christ in their teens, and so. Um, wait, wait, you got to go back further than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, right. so uh, on my mom's side, um, my great-grandfather is Yamboya Ta. And so he was, if you guys don't know, uh, one of the first Hmong converts, I guess the first Hmong convert um, to Christianity um, back in Laos. And so back in 1949, 1950, um, he had met the Adrianoffs and um, that whole story of... Um, you know, these missionaries who who weren't even looking for the Hmong people who were there for, you know, other mountain tribes in in Laos um, found us, stumbled upon us, and um, stayed in a, in a home that was supposedly haunted and the rest of the, <laughs> you know, the community, you know, no one wanted to live in that house, but these missionaries came in and stayed in that house and nothing had happened to them. And so my great-grandfather was you know, just observing that and, and, and dumbfounded by that. And, and so they, they spoke to each other and, and the gospel was shared. And so um, just that legacy of, of my great-grandfather being the first Hmong Christian and then um, my parents always uh, just raising us to remember two main messages. One, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And two, you'll always be Hmong no matter what. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So those are the two messages that were drilled into uh, drilled into my life, and um, yeah. So grew up in in the church. Went to uh, Hmong American Alliance Church, uh, where Sufitachu um, led me to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was our fifth grade. Oh, so you, you, my, didn't, you, should, you, should, you didn't mention that earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so he uh, he led me to Christ, um, and. It was our my fifth grade year of VBS, and he sat us around a picnic table at the campground and was like, if you guys were to die today, what would happen? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, classic 90s yeah. evangelism yeah. tool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and so, uh, yeah, it was just really evident to me that there was nothing that I can do, nothing that, um, that made me uh, righteous enough to, to go to heaven. And so understanding that Christ was the only way to heaven, Christ was the only way to salvation, um, coming to that realization and, and trusting the Lord then. Um, and it was actually the very next summer um, that I heard the Lord's call on my life to ministry. Um, so since the age of 11, 12, I've been called to to ministry, called to do the Lord's work. <laughs> and cool. um, I remember that very next summer, right after a Wednesday night Bible study, um, I had pulled Subitachu aside and uh, another elder. And I was like, the Lord's calling me to be a pastor like I clearly heard his voice today. Mm. I need you guys to to pray for me, um, which you know, as a twelve year old, yeah. you know, right. I'm looking back and I'm like, That's crazy, yeah, who's <laughs> this kid? You know, That's yeah. crazy. Um, but they prayed over me, and then, um, yeah, just continued to to grow in uh, in the gifts that the Lord's blessed me with, and um, I started youth pastoring at the age of nineteen. Mm. Um, started serving in a Chinese Lutheran church. So mm. going from a Hmong CMA church to a Chinese Lutheran church, um, there were some some huge differences. Um, and so that was an interesting experience, served there for about two years, and then uh, was able to do an internship with a, um, a white EFCA church um, in Maplewood, Minnesota, um, and served there for, for a year as an intern, and then was hired full time as as a youth pastor, um, as well as a coordinator for the community gardens um, and a janitor. And so, um, piecing that job together was pr- kind of really uh, helpful for me to see that the church really wanted me there. Yeah, they knew that I needed a full time job, so they pieced something together. Um, so that's a a big part of um, kind of just my understanding of ministry as well, because mm-hmm. um, you know I grew up 
my dad was always like the monk church is the church that you need to be serving in. Yeah. Like yeah. you serve in any other church. They're not going to respect you the same way. They're not going to see you the same way, but to <laughs> really see this church really desire for me to be there mm-hmm. and to care for me in that way where they're like, okay, we want George, we, we want him to be here. So we're going to put something together so that he can be here. Yeah. Um, that was huge. Um, but it also allowed me to interact with the Hmong population because, um, with the community gardens that were there, we had 1,200 plots, and 80% of those gardeners were Hmong. And yep. so it was kind of a bridge for the church to interact with the Hmong community, um, which is really great. Um, and now you know, I'm here at uh, at TED's getting a seminary uh, experience, um, trying to equip myself better with theology um, and understanding of theology and, um, and then mental health counseling and being better suited and equipped to to care for people and and their souls and um and their mental states and so that's and kind so of so you're a youth pastor yeah i'm still serving as a youth pastor now um i serve at redeemer life church which is in vernon hills illinois um yeah really great multi-ethnic church plant uh it's about five years old now mm-hmm. um and so we're yeah really uh looking at the community and how do we better serve that community and so it's a it's a church that that represents the community well. Um, there's a big Pan Asian um, demographic there um, within the church as well as around the the area, and so we have a lot of Pan Asian members, but we also have Russian families, we have mm-hmm. African American families and Hispanic families, cool. um, and and white families, and so it's it's really just a great melting pot of seeing you know, how, how different cultures and nationalities come together. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They, they also, uh, are known as an immigrant church. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the adults that are there are se- second gen immigrants. Um, <clears throat> and their children now are third gen immigrants. And so, yeah. um, that was kind of one of the draws as well, um, to serving there. <coughs> excuse me. And so just really being able to, uh, interact with those youth um, and see what life is like for them in, yeah. in yeah. such a diverse population mm-hmm. and and being able to see all the ties that their faith has to um, to how they live out their lives amongst mm-hmm. their peers and whatnot so yeah that's been that's been a great you should opportunity give us, you should well. give a shout out to all your Minnesota people then yeah um, so <laughs> shout out to uh, first free Maplewood uh, you guys are great love you guys we're Facebook living too so who knows who's watching right now yeah shout out to all you hackers out there it's uh, <laughs> all computer programmers yeah um, and now uh, you guys are thinking about going back to Minnesota maybe mm-hmm. plant a church yeah yeah so the Lord's definitely put a call on my life to to want to go out um, back to Minnesota and plant a church. Um, so if you are searching for a church, uh, look out for me in how, about a year and a half here. Year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Year and a half. So I'll be done in a year, a half, year and a half, uh, hopefully back out in Minnesota, uh, as long as the Lord continues to call us there. Um, seeking individuals who, who are looking for practical ways to live out their faith, um, ways to continue on the mission that's been given to us and, uh, wanting to equip those individuals to to better serve the kingdom and and uh, further the work that God's given us. So cool, yeah. cool, awesome. George is a great guy. I really enjoyed getting to know you, bro. Uh, Myla, what about you? Uh, Call to ministry, a little bit of background. What you been involved with? <laughs> sure. Um, okay. Well, grew up in the church. Um, I was, you know, every family has the black sheep, and then there's the golden child. I was the golden child. <laughs> she was not the black sheep. I was not the black sheep. Um, and so I never had those crazy uh, fall away and hated the Lord and came back mm. to the church. Um, nothing crazy like that. And I think when I look back, though, sometimes the craziest story is I just grew up and I genuinely, like, loved Jesus. Like, mm. something about Him, like... For as like as young as I was, like something really captured like my heart about him, and so I grew up loved Sunday school, loved reading mm-hmm. the Bible. Like mm-hmm. none of that stuff was ever boring to me, or like mm, this is just something I do. There was always a curiosity, um, um, and so with that, 
Uh, my parents are kind of my spiritual heroes, awesome people. I didn't know that people didn't have parents that love the Lord until mm. I grew up and kind of realized like, oh, not everybody's parents like are that intentional in raising you to love the Lord. So I think I have um, kind of that foundation growing up of just, I never questioned um uh, there's a lot of things I don't have to question because my parents had built such a stable foundation for me to just know things, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. um, but with that, I, I accepted the Lord maybe when I was like six or seven. We had these things called family altars. Every Sunday night, my dad would lead us in devotion. We would sing songs. We would pray. And I think it was one of those Sundays where my dad just shared the gospel with us. And then he was like, you know, does anyone... Do, do any of you guys want to accept Jesus? I was like, totally, yeah, this guy seems awesome. Like, I totally want him in my life. And since then, it was just no turning back. This guy's awesome, and it hasn't changed. Like, Jesus mm. is still really awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I never, ever considered doing ministry. Um, so I I went to high school, graduated, and then went to the University of Michigan. Go blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which, oh, oh our, my blanket's right over oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm watching you get on a Facebook Live, but... Yeah. <laughs> so I went there. I studied um, English writing and communications. Um, and then after that, I worked four years, first in advertising as a copywriter, um, and then in marketing, um, trying to kind of pioneer a marketing department for a hospital. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my background. thought I was going to do that forever. I loved like the corporate world. I thought I was going to you know, be a marketplace missionary. That was mm-hmm. my thing. Like, mm-hmm. we need more people to be light in, in darkness. Mm-hmm. We don't need more people in the ministry. That was my mantra in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then God had like a different idea. And I think I'm still in this place where I'm connecting kind of the parts that God has been weaving in my story. And mm-hmm. so one of the coolest things is, so as a copywriter, my boss always said to me, um, everybody is saying the same thing. Your job as a copywriter is to say it in a way that actually connects with people, mm. right? And mm. that was my job. I would write a slogan and she would send me back to my seat and write like 20 more until she says, this one is the one that connects with people, right? And mm-hmm. I think I've realized like God has been using those two years of training as a copywriter um, because as a teacher of the word, you can yeah. share something and it could totally hit nobody because mm-hmm. how you deliver the message and how you craft it and how you speak speak it to the people you're listening to, like how you connect with them is what's really going to resonate, you know? And so I'm starting to make these little connections of, it wasn't that it was an accident that I was a copywriter, but God actually purposely was training me in those seasons so that when I was, when I realized the call to ministry, that he would kind of show me why I had to be trained in those ways, you know? I've never heard you preach, George, but Myla's probably a better preacher than you. (laughs) Probably. I, I don't care what your theology is. Women can preach. Amen. I mean, For, yep. Come on, somebody. I don't know. If they, I don't know if you're allowing them to preach, but like they technically can preach. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like they, they have the ability to preach. They do. That whether your church lets them or not, I don't know. But Miley can preach better than you and I. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out to Pastor Tua, City on a Hill. There <laughs> First you go. pastor to put me on a stage. There you go. Took the hit. Um, yeah. And then now I'm studying um, Christian formation and theology. I think I'm primarily. So I'm primarily interested in. Two things I'm passionate about is love and identity because mm-hmm. um, I'm convinced those two things are at the core of every single person, whether you know God or not, whether you're Hmong or not, whether you're black, white, non-Christian, whatever you are, there's everybody's asking, who am I? And when I know who I am, am I worthy of love? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> sorry, pressing the wrong buttons. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So asking, who am I? And um, am I worthy of love? And I think I'm interested, primarily I'm, I'm concentrating in theology because I want to know what does the Bible say about love and identity? Mm-hmm. And then as we start there, how can we form people back into love and identity? So that's kind of where I'm at when I want to mm. pursue my degree. And we'll see. I'm still trying to process the fact that you I'm You haven't said the best thing about who you are yet, though. Who am I? Wait, I don't know. <laughs> What's the best thing? Yeah, that was a good movie, too. <laughs> You're my niece. Oh, oh yes, the <laughs> best thing. <laughs> I the thought most that was... <laughs> important thing about. <laughs> I am Daniel Yang's niece. <laughs> so, yeah, he's uh, actually my mom's younger brother. So we're very closely related. Yeah. <laughs> and I house you and feed you. He houses me and feeds me. <laughs> yep. 
you do watch your kids on occasion (laughs) here and there (laughs) yes that's another fact that's on every single one of my profiles and resumes (laughs) daniel yang's niece (laughs) so do you do you think i mean you're still i know your first semester in seminary but what do you think long term you'd like to do i think i'm still trying to figure that out um i think i'm still in this place of am I in ministry? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Why am I not in the marketplace? I'm still trying to process mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something I'm learning about and I'm interested in is um, spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I never knew about. I think mm-hmm. it's primarily, uh, it's predominant in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And so um, just this idea of teaching is good, small groups are good, but there's not a lot of soul care in the church and people yeah. kind of mm-hmm. need somebody to walk them through soul care, inner healing and things like that. So I'm yeah. I'm really curious about that. I'm just starting to learn about that, but mm-hmm. I think that's something that I want to dive into. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You'd be great at that. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be a great teaching pastor too. Mm-hmm. Really? Thanks. Yeah. 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 We'll I see. think you'd be great at that. I think she's probably been the most articulate of Probably. Of the three of us. <laughs> you, this is really it, so. hard for me, though, because I'm <laughs> such an internal processor. George, George and I just grunt. We're just like, ah. Mm, mm. <laughs> so, hey, let's talk about who influences us the most. Uh, so who in your life or in your reading, uh, in your um, journey has influenced you the most in terms of um, theology, thinking, spiritual formation? Uh, they can be a dead person. They could be a live person. Uh, but who's had the most impact? Uh, and I'll start just to let you guys uh, think through this question a bit more. I'll start with the alive person. Um, I, you know, it's weird because I don't know if I would say that this person has influenced me the most theologically. But um, I, I just to kind of share a little bit of my journey, I, I was uh, had a profound experience with Jesus um, when I was 16 um, where I would say, you know, uh, I don't know where everybody's theology is at, but I had a very real encounter with Jesus, the love of Jesus. It was kind of... Mm first moment where I, I knew that uh, God the Father loved me. Uh, I don't know if I can articulate it in that way, but I just knew. And then uh, 21 had a similar experience where uh, I just knew that God called me and my wife to missions. And so I didn't know what that was going to look like. We are both starting our careers at the time. Uh, but when I was 24, uh, I began uh, experiencing a lot of doubt for the first time. As a matter of fact, I got through university and was um, kind of, you know, did anthropology, studied evolution, uh, studied philosophy, uh, mm-hmm. comparative religion. And there were some things there that I think were kind of messing with me. But there, you know, it, was, it wasn't until I left college. I already had almost, I think, uh, two kids at this time. And at 24, I started struggling, doubting my faith, doubting the Bible, mm-hmm. the existence of God, which is really weird because I had some pretty profound uh, moments with him. And... Um, and so I, you know, up until this point, probably I hadn't read a whole lot of books. Uh, you know, I, I joke, and this is not a joke, but I mean, like the most theologically oriented book I might have read up until that point was like Max Lucado, like Traveling Light or something like that, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which, good. hey, man, I mean, God <laughs> uses good. that. It's great. I mean, and dude's probably making tons of money. But, <laughs> um, but so I hadn't read really widely. Um, and so I started reading a lot of uh, books. And so in the midst of that, I was reading, you know, things like, C.S. Lewis, um, which that was helpful, Mere Christianity, Problem of Pain, Screw Tape Letters, uh, Great Divorce, mm-hmm. um, uh, Grief Observed. So I just, I devoured those books. And I want to say that Lewis was uh, that person for me, but I think it was probably actually uh, me reading Desiring God mm. that, uh, and I'm trying to remember when exactly, because this is a long time ago, it's, it's 2004, so what is that, 13 years ago? Mm-hmm. So I don't know where in that journey that I was reading, but it was definitely uh, when I read Desiring God, which was a hard read for me at the time. Remember, I was just reading Max Lucado. Uh, <laughs> it was a hard read for me uh, at the time to kind of get through his book, Desiring God. Um, and uh, I remember there were moments in that book where I was reading and he would say something like, um, you know, your desire to worship God uh, is the same thing as worshiping God. And I might have misquoted that, but, you know, is your desire to, you know, the desire to, to worship God, you know, versus that feeling that you have when you're worshiping God and you feel great. Mm-hmm. He says that desire to have that uh, just is just as good as mm-hmm. worshiping God. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. man, that stuff really helped me in a mm-hmm. season where I felt really dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he'd say things like, um, you know, uh, uh, 
God's most glorified in you when you're most satisfied in him. And so mm-hmm. that really gave me a compass to kind of be a bit more oriented towards God rather mm-hmm. than my own feelings and yeah. my own experience, my own journey. So I think uh, John Piper gave me a lot of vocabulary for that. Uh, I didn't, you know, it, it didn't make me reformed in my theology. You know, at the time, I think there's some other things that I began reading that would kind of help me along that way, in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was the affection towards God that hmm. Piper really helped to to help me take that from just a youth group experience to mm-hmm. a knowledgeable intellectual engagement with the person of God through theology. And um, so he was definitely, I think, my introduction to, which is interesting because uh, I don't know if you guys followed the whole Lecrae thing recently. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think Lecrae was saying, I'm done with Piper. That's not what he was saying, <laughs> yeah, you know. No. So it's terrible at some how, how people quoted him. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think Piper has been that for a lot of people. Um, and at least for me, uh, he was my introduction into uh, a serious engagement into theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about dead person, you know, I mean, uh, there's probably a lot of dead writers that we read that are, are helpful, but if I had to say increasingly in, in recent history, um, someone who's has passed now that has impacted my life the most, I'd say is my mom, which is mm-hmm. interesting, um, because my mom was very atheological, uh, you know, she's typical Hmong mom. You know, uh, she had a very, very quiet faith. You know, she was not super expressive about her faith. Um, and so, uh, but I, I guess less about her direct uh, influence in terms of theology, more about um, where she is today, mm-hmm. you know, what she's experienced today. Mm-hmm. Like, that is my closest, con- my, you know, put it another way, my closest connection to heaven right now is my mom, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't have anybody closer to me that I know of mm-hmm. uh, that is sitting at the right-hand side of uh, God the Father next to Jesus. And so that has had a profound impact on me this past year since she's passed. And so mm-hmm. um, I'd say her. And then there's other people. A.W. Tozer, uh, reading him, has been, been helpful mm-hmm. um, throughout my kind of devotional journey. Um, <laughs> And um, there's probably some other dead people that I have enjoyed reading. You, know? <laughs> but, you do uh, read a lot. I do. I do yeah. <laughs> you I, read a I, lot. I, I synthesize books a lot. I, mean, <laughs> I hope that's acceptable to my professors. <laughs> when they say thoroughly read your books and your assignments, <laughs> I synthesize the information in the books. So. But those are my people. What about you, George? Yeah. Uh, the youth pastor inside of me wants to say Jesus fills both those roles. Um, yeah. You no, go. you just gave your Sunday school answer. <laughs> hey, he's not dead anymore. So <laughs> yeah, he's alive and dead. Yeah. No, dead, dead and no, just alive. Yeah. Anyways, um, I would say the most influential person who's alive probably is my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, just just because of of such a strong faith in in Christ and um i think my testimony is definitely one of of God's provision and God's providence and um you know my my testimony is very much wrapped around being raised up in a christian home being taught to fear the lord being taught to um you know desire to to honor my parents and um you know living into that promise that as I honor my parents, the Lord would you know, mm-hmm. make me prosper. Um, and, and just watching my mom, uh, trust in the Lord so much. It's been, it's been amazing to, to see the amount of things that she's been able to accomplish being an immigrant, you know, coming into the States, um, only having a high school, you know, degree and, uh, and yet she raised nine kids, you know, mm-hmm. Um, she's, she only comes up to this, this high, you know, she's, yeah. she's only this tall, but yet she's the strongest, strongest person I know. And, um, even now, like she doesn't sleep because she's always working and she's always working because the Lord continues to provide for her in those ways. And so, um, it's really just amazing to see her faith and her trust in the Lord and being able to step out in boldness and do things that, most people would never, you know, mm-hmm. even dream of or think mm-hmm. of doing. Um, and it's really allowed me to, to carry on that kind of faith of like, 
yeah, the Lord's got me. You know, mm-hmm. if he's calling me to do this, he's got me and, and I'm going to trust in him and I'm going to keep going and, and keep stepping out in places where, where most people wouldn't. And so um, she's been really influential um, in just living out her faith and, and me observing that. Um, it's also been great to uh, work with certain pastors. Um, shout out to Pastor Kenny King. Um, he was hmm. uh, the guy who uh, I interned under um, mm-hmm. at First Free Maplewood and just such a godly man and a man who he's um older um i won't i won't throw your age out there uh but he's still in youth ministry and he's been in youth ministry for 20 plus years um and so i I imagine this old white guy wearing skinny jeans (laughs) spiky hair (laughs) um well his his sons are pretty bespoke um danny and uh, kenny king who Mm. Uh, now run a um, kind of a fashion business, um, and they they do a lot of suits and things for um, like <clears throat> athletes and celebrities and things like that. So that was pretty cool to see his family grow in that. Um, but he's he's just this guy who who's so intentional about ministry, um, and and he's taught me a lot of just <clears throat> behind the scenes everything that happens in ministry. I think a lot of times in our internships they become doerships where yeah. the pastor kind of like says, yeah, we'll take you on. Um, here's the youth ministry. Kind of do mm-hmm. do what you know to do. Just let us know what you're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, but he was very intentional in, in mentoring me and in raising me to um, understand what it looks like to be an intentional pastor, a pastor who, um, you know, with integrity can say that he's doing work. Because I think uh, most of the population thinks that youth pastors, you know, um, take kids out to events and then comes back into the office and naps on their couches. <laughs> you know, um, that's kind of the, the picture that we have. But he, you know, from from saying, you don't need to have a time card, your paid salary. Mm-hmm. But write down your hours. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that whenever someone does question what you do, you can pull it out. You know, right, things right. like that, where it's just like, these are these are very important pieces to ministry. And so he's been very influ- influential in, in my ministry and in my life. Um, he did my wife and my uh, wedding, um, officiated it, and uh, walked us through some marriage counseling pieces. And um, yeah, just really appreciative of, of what he's done. Um, as far as someone who's who's dead, um, yeah, that's that's a little more difficult. Um, I'm not as well read as Daniel is, and so <laughs> for those of you who are not readers, I would encourage you to read. Um, <laughs> But uh, if, don't do what I do. <laughs> do what I say. It's it's it's, it's good to be uh, well read. All right. Um, so that when you come up into situations like this, you have names off the top of your head. Um, My mom didn't write anything, so you don't have to be a writer. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass on the dead question. Okay. But yeah, I was hoping you were going to say your great grandfather, but he he has been very influential. I think I think the difficulty is like I haven't interacted or I didn't interact with the fact that he was a part of my legacy, right, right. until I came to seminary. Gotcha. Um, and so I guess I can speak a little bit into that as far as just um, the weight of that kind of legacy. Um, it 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 brings a sense of pride in knowing that. I can say that my great-grandfather was the first Hmong Christian. Um, but more than that sense of pride, it brings a, hu- a great humility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just understanding that um, that a, a people group who were in the mountains, like, no one cared for, no one thought about. Yeah. Like, our father saw us. Yeah. And he had a plan for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And he came to that village, you know, through the Adrianovs and... And met a man who was, you know, down on his luck. He was a shaman of the village, down on his luck, and and yet God met him and yeah. used him to to further the gospel and to to the rest of the Hmong people. And so, um, to understand that peace and and to just be um, humbled by knowing that that God is God called him. Mm-hmm. Now God is calling me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that looks like for the rest of my story has yeah. has been huge, and so um, I'll get to interact with that a little bit more as I write my capstone on um, the you, history. You of know the what I'm gonna church. do? I'm gonna 
on our Facebook live feed, I'm going to tag uh, David Andernoff, which mm. is uh, mm-hmm. Ted's son. Yeah. Because uh, he's on Facebook and he, he made a comment when I introduced that we were doing this podcast. I didn't even think to to connect you two, but... Yeah. Yeah. We've been able to, to Facebook chat here and there. Oh, cool. Um, when my, my sister and my brother-in-law were up at Nyack, mm-hmm. uh, we were able to go and see his parents' uh, gravesite and... Yeah. Um, yeah. Just really... Uh, Really crazy to think that the, the Hmong Church is only sixty seven years old. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's crazy. And if you if you ever have a chance to to go back to Southeast Asia, do it because, like, the experience of just understanding that you know sixty no forty years ago, like we were just there. Yeah, yeah, yep. and yep. here we are with you know the ability to to go out and get master's degrees and doctorates and mm-hmm. you know it's like going to the moon and back yeah. you know for our people group yeah. and so yeah. it's 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 pretty pretty awesome to think that god's purpose for us as a people group is so much bigger than than what we've accepted and yeah. than what we see now and so yeah totally what would you yeah. Mila? greatest influences greatest influences oh i'm just, i've been sitting here trying to think um I guess there's different influences for different sectors of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I were to if I were to think of influence for like what ministry looks like, I would say my pastor, Pastor Tua, um, mm-hmm. City on a Hill Church in Warren. Um, I think he was the first pastor that I had seen in the Hmong Church have a very pastoral gift, right? Like I think a lot of pastors are good teachers, you know, things like that. But he was a very good shepherd, and I think it was helpful for me to see like here's somebody who like gets in the nitty-gritty of life with people Mm -hmm. and I think even especially for me I would have never considered going back to school unless Pastor Tua like dragged me outside Mm -hmm. the church and was like you're going to school like and I think it's because he really sees his sheep for who they are and he refuses to let them settle and Mm -hmm. I think that's huge like I didn't see that growing up Mm -hmm. usually the pastor is very distant from his members Mm -hmm. from the churches that I knew growing up so Pastor Tua, I think in terms of ministry, has been really influential for me. Um, so there's this guy for theology. There's this guy. You'll you'll learn this. I don't like a lot of big name people. I think it's my personality. I'm like, if you're a big name, nah, mm-hmm. I'm going to find the <laughs> underdogs, the people yeah. nobody yeah. knows. That's yeah. how I function. So there's this guy named Dan Moeller. I mm-hmm. think he's out on like the East Coast. Um, I had heard him, a friend introduced him to me in college, and it was like, when I heard his theology and his teaching, like not only like the best way I could articulate it is not only did my mind say this is right, mm-hmm. but like my spirit agreed mm-hmm. with it, you mm-hmm. know, and I was mm-hmm. like, I've never heard this theology growing up or like the way he interpreted or understood the word. I was like, how did you read that passage and get that out of it? But it yeah. sounds like my my spirit was like, yes, that's right, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's a great teacher. Like some like one of the lines that he said that has stuck to me since I heard him was um the cross is not just exposing of your sin, but it's revealing of your sonship, you know, mm-hmm. and his whole theology mm-hmm. is on identity as a son. Mm-hmm. And that completely changed my entire reading and mm-hmm. lens of the Bible. So yeah. Yeah. Dan Moeller, if you guys know him uh, or don't know him, listen to him. It'll change your life. You mm-hmm. either love him or completely hate him. So <laughs> it's one or the other. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends love him. The other half of my friends are like, this is wrong. I don't yeah. like uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. Uh, but those are the best people I think to listen to. Mm-hmm. And dead person, oh, that's kind of a morbid way to say it. <laughs> person who has passed. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about this because I don't know a lot of like dead people either. Um, but I had an experience at my last job. Um, this is me, mission With a dead person? in the marketplace. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, so like there was this lady, she was probably 40 years old. Um, but when I when I got my job, she like I don't know. She stuck to me like glue for some reason. And like, she would just hang out with me, sit in my office, talk to me whenever I was in the lunchroom, she would like sit next to me and we would always just talk about life. And, um, we got really close and I would talk to her about my faith and she wasn't a believer. So she's like, that's cool. Like, you know, and she would talk about her weekends, um, parting it up. (laughs) And, Mm. um, I remember it was a Friday. One of our coworkers had just passed away. Mm. So she came into my office because she was like, I'm terrified of death. This is freaking me out. Like, I don't know what Mm. to do, you know. And I remember just sitting there. We were talking about death or whatever. Come Monday, we found out that she unexpectedly passed away. Mm. And it was such a weird moment for me where I think I realized, like, I never invited her 
to know the Jesus that I knew, mm-hmm. you know, even in the perfect conversation of death where she's like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm all like that evangelist explosion thing is like way too much. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like that question. But then having her pass, yeah. I think there was this urgency of Milo, like that was an opportunity and you totally didn't take it because you're so, I'm so much like you do you, I do me. As mm-hmm. long as I'm real to me, like, I don't feel like I'm not doing anything wrong. But I think mm-hmm. that moment was so, such a shifting point for me where I realized there's an age urgency to this stuff that I think I'm not really realizing until then. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. okay. Um, well, I mean, this episode was really about people getting to know us. Uh, we're going to get into like the, the deep stuff and, you know, talk about Hmong, uh, American identity and theology and, and mission and a bunch of other topics. I think it'd be cool to talk about, you know, the role of Reformed theology, uh, the whole charismatic debate in the Hmong church mm-hmm. that neither one of us are a part of because yeah. none of us go to the yeah. Hmong church, so we can say whatever <laughs> we want to do. But we'll also talk about why we don't go to Hmong church either. I think yeah. that'd, that'd be helpful for people to understand yeah. uh, our different callings and why we don't attend Hmong church, but um, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you guys would, I mean, that we'll talk about? I think we'll talk about like women in ministry, the yeah. role of seminary in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the things that you think we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about? Yeah, um, I'm really hoping to uh, be able to discuss some parts of like uh, one of the hot topics in, in, in our um, country today is is reconciliation, racial reconciliation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so huge. Yeah. How do we as, as Hmong Americans who, who don't really have the like regular american like asian american immigrant feel yeah um our refugee story plays a really big part of what it's like to be in these conversations and so digging into that a little bit deeper um i'm studying mental health counseling and so i want to be able to um talk about how do we equip ourselves with uh just emotional understandings of ourselves as we process through what it means to come full circle in, yeah. in uh, theology, what it means to um, experience life as as ministers, as people um, who are serving the kingdom. How do we care for ourselves well, ourselves yeah. well in yeah. that space? Um, yeah, those are some of those important topics for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our, our next few episodes, like our next episode would be about... Uh, the importance of Hmong American uh, identity and theology. We'll talk about reimagining uh, the Hmong American experience through Jesus. Mm-hmm. What does that look mm-hmm. like? Um, I'm waiting for somebody to ask me yes. what's Yesu Commutas. Yeah, so that was I was going <laughs> to ask that, you know? So this podcast is called Yesu Commutatas. And so I'm curious, yeah. what is the meaning behind Good question, that question, <laughs> <laughs> You know, just one for asking great questions. Yeah, yeah. Very observant. Um so, yeah, so uh, Yesu Communitas, uh, and, and well, in the episode on this, what is Yesu Communitas, and what's the idea behind that? Well, uh, a guy named Alan Hirsch wrote a book called The Forgotten Ways uh, back in 2005. I think most people who are in church planning or missions or whatever, mm-hmm. North American missiology, uh, we've read Hirsch. Hirsch talks about a concept uh, that uh, in anthropology that they had discovered, and it was this idea of communitas, which is a Latin word. Uh, a little bit different from community. Community tends to be an orientation that we have towards a center of you know people that are connected. Communitas is something that's birthed out of people going out, and so it's this idea really of uh, this anthropologist. I forget his last name it begins with a V. I know I know what it is. I just can't say his name right now. Hmm. Uh, but he was observing in Africa um, uh, tribal people, and they would send out their uh, their their uh, boys, their teenage sons. Uh, as a ritual, and they go out as a group without any uh, training, without any equipment, uh, and they would have to fend for themselves, find food, shelter, uh, you know, survive for the next month or two or whatever it was. Um, and then they would develop this intense version of community just to survive, just to to thrive and to to make it back. And so, uh, and eventually they would come back to the village, but they would come back much stronger. They would come back mm-hmm. much more knowledgeable they come back with a greater life experience and they would actually add to the community or to the tribe that they were a part of mm-hmm. and so the idea of yesu communitas is that is that uh you know yesu being the uh the Hmong rendering for jesus but it's also the uh, uh the rendering in most languages uh uh, it's uh, in in Lao, in, in uh, Vietnamese, in Cambodian. I think it's very similar to Yesu. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this idea that uh, you know we uh, are at a point now in 
our experience as Christians. You said earlier, 67 years as Hmong people, Hmong Laos people, Lao Hmong people. We are 67 years into uh, um, uh, being believers, followers of Jesus. And we're at a point now where we need to have some communitas, Mm -hmm. that we need some people who are willing to go outside of the tribe uh, in order to discover something um, uh, that would lead to, um, uh, you know, uh, other people coming in to know Christ. But in the same way, in that experience, you're bringing something back, uh, something richer back to your own people. Yeah. And Jesus does that for us. You know, if you think about the verse in Hebrew where it talks about Jesus went outside of the city gates, mm-hmm. and that's where he was crucified. <clears throat> and yet the Holy Spirit comes in uh, Jerusalem, you know. And so it's that whole idea that you have to go outside the gates, you have to go outside your community, you have to go outside of your tribe in order to experience something, sometimes a dying, sometimes a sacrificing. But in that, you will give back to your community um, much more than what uh, you could have before. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole idea of Yeast Communitas. I did a, a small conference gathering about um, eight, nine years ago uh, in Wisconsin um, based off of this identity, or sorry, this uh, this idea. And uh, so much of our conversations will be from that lens, is mm-hmm. how do we propel not just Hmong people, but Southeast Asians uh, into a greater form of missions. Because you use the word full circle. And full circle means this, that we once used to be the mission field, but now we're the missionaries. You mm-hmm. know, And so, um, uh, it, and that explains part of the reason why none of us are attending a Hmong church. Not because yeah. we don't love it. We all had great experiences with Hmong church. Uh, but in some ways, we are forming a community house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the last question uh, that I think we can kind of just think about uh, as we close this episode is, um, you know, who are our, who are our greatest Southeast Asian theologian movement leader uh, influences on our lives? You know, who are those people? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought long and hard and there's some people that you started off the episode saying, you know, who's your most influential Hmong pastor? And maybe that's the best that we can get, but we're not at a point now where we can identify Southeast Asian Hmong, Cambodian, Vietnamese, Lao, uh, theologians and leaders where we can say, man, they're really leading us in terms of thought leadership. Yeah. They're really leading us in terms of theology. They're helping to reinterpret our current experience through a biblical lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are those people? And I guess a part of what I hope to do, what we hope to do through this podcast and through other things is to stir up passions inside of people and say, you know what? I may not be that person, but I want to be a part yeah. of creating that environment where we can see these individuals rise up and not just for the benefit of Southeast Asians among people, but for the benefit of the body of Christ. Yeah. So I'm excited yeah. about this. I'm glad we get to do this together. Yeah. And I hope that if you're listening, uh, that you'll uh, jump back on to our next episode, which is coming up real soon. And we'll talk about the importance of Hmong identity and theology. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Myla, George, and myself will be back again with another discussion about Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Uh, but can you do us a favor? Can you share the Yesu Communitas podcast with your friends? And then also remember to like today's show, uh, share it out on Facebook, and then subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. All right, see you in the next episode.